Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, I'm Grace Rouvray, filling in for Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. And a note on this episode, it does contain some violent descriptions, so please use caution. Last week, two separate dog attacks left people hospitalised. Nikita Pill was mauled by her two Rottweilers, which left surgeons racing to save her arm. One Rottweiler was shot, a second has been seized by rangers. I did everything I possibly could. The other Rottweiler was jumping up the fence at me. And a man in Sydney's west was hospitalised after two dogs, also believed to be Rottweilers, escaped a property. The attack has stirred politicians into action, with Western Australian Premier Roger Cook calling for an inquiry and federal frontbencher Bill Shorten labelling dangerous breeds sharks on legs. And he's called for them to be banned. Dog attacks are not uncommon in Australia, and experts are saying that the risk of them has increased following COVID-19 lockdowns. So does Australia need to think about outlawing dangerous dog breeds like Bill Shorten has suggested? Today we're going to be looking at why certain dog breeds are getting a bad rap and if there's anything that can be done to prevent them from attacking. But first, your news headlines for Tuesday, September 26th. Brisbane Lions player Lockie Neal won the Brownlow medal at the Melbourne event last night. This is the second Brownlow medal win for the 30-year-old midfielder who was unable to attend the event as he was up in Brisbane with his teammates preparing for Saturday's AFL Grand Final clash against Collingwood. Neil is the first two-time winner since former Fremantle teammate Nat Fife and just the 16th player ever to win multiple Brownlow medals. Goal of the Year was awarded to fellow Brisbane Lions player Will Ashcroft and GWS defender Harry Himmelberg claimed Mark of the Year. Firefighters will march through the streets of Melbourne as disputes between their union and the Victorian government deepens. 1,500 firefighters are expected to attend the rally, which starts at the fire station in East Melbourne before a march to Parliament and then the Fair Work Commission. The firefighter branch secretary, Peter Marshall, said they've been negotiating with Fire Rescue Victoria for two years, over 76 meetings, and reached an agreement on all but two matters, but the organisation and government then reneged. The points of disagreement are about pay and allowances. Home Affairs Secretary Mike Pizzullo agreed to stand down on Monday after a plethora of leaked text messages revealed he used a political back channel to try and influence two former Liberal PMs. The request came from Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill on Monday afternoon, pending a review by the Public Service Commission. Federal Cabinet was due to meet in Adelaide on Monday afternoon, where Prime Minister Anthony Albanese confirmed he would be receiving full reports about the situation. A review into controversial strip searches that occur at music festivals has revealed the low standards of record-keeping and training for officers. A conduct commission has found that less than half of New South Wales police officers who carried out strip searches at five music festivals in 2021 and 2022 completed the specialist training. 
It also revealed officers have failed to properly complete official music festival field processing forms, which are intended to ensure searches were conducted lawfully. New South Wales has acknowledged the report but blamed a change in organisational priorities during 2021 and 2022 due to COVID-19 public health orders and restrictions. They have ensured that training and guidelines have now been reiterated to officers across the state. An agent for the film legend Sophia Loren says the Italian actor is recovering from a successful surgery for a leg fracture after a fall at her Swiss home. Released in a statement, the 89-year-old actor broke both her hip and her thigh bone with no news as to when she would be discharged from hospital. Loren has lived in a Swiss villa for the last few decades. Earlier this month, she appeared with Italian designer Giorgio Armani in Venice at a fashion show held on the sidelines of the city's annual film festival. That's your latest news headlines. In a moment, today's deep dive. Nikita Pill was the proud owner of two Rottweilers, Bronx and Harlem. She often posted about them on social media, calling them her babies, labelling them as loyal and protective. But last week, in the safety of her own home, the dogs turned and brutally attacked her. Neighbours heard screams as they tried to intervene to save Nikita, but they couldn't stop the dogs from attacking. And that's when police arrived. They looked over the fence and saw Bronx attacking Nikita. They said the dogs were extremely aggressive and they attempted to use their tasers, but it did little to stop them attacking. And I said, you need to get your gun out and, and shoot this dog. It's, it's going to kill her. And that's when the police officer had no choice but to shoot Bronx in order to save Nikita. Bronx was later euthanised. And Harlem was secured in the garage before being taken away by rangers. Nikita was then taken to hospital. She suffered major blood loss following the attack and serious bite wounds, with reports that she needed extensive plastic surgery to save her arm. And while this attack made news around the country, it wasn't the only dog attack that happened last week. A man in Sydney's west was also hospitalised after two dogs, believed to be Rottweilers, attacked him on Monday, leaving him with bite wounds to his neck. So two separate attacks in one week by the same breed. It's left people calling for restrictions and some saying the large breed should be banned altogether. In Australia, it's estimated that more than 100,000 dog bites are recorded each year. While a lot of these are minor incidents, about 2,000 people are hospitalised following attacks. There have also been numerous fatal attacks in recent years, some involving children who can be extremely vulnerable when left alone with dogs. In November last year, the Central West New South Wales community of Cowra was left in shock after a two-year-old boy was killed by two dogs who turned on him. And in February of this year, a baby girl was killed after being attacked by two Rottweilers at a home in Maria in New South Wales. Last year, the Sydney Children's Hospital revealed one child is being admitted to a New South Wales hospital every week following a dog attack, with the average age being just five years old. A report done by the hospital showed which breeds are the most dangerous, compiling statistics on attacks and hospital admissions over a 10-year period from 2010 to 2020. The data included 628 patients who were admitted with dog-related injuries over that decade. Pit bulls topped the list of attacks at 10.3%, followed closely by usually easygoing Labradors at 8.5%, then Rottweilers at 6.8%, 
the list was rounded out by Bulldogs, Border Collies, Jack Russells, Terriers, Kelpies and German Shepherds. Now, following the WA attacks, politicians are calling for action. Last week, Western Australian Premier Roger Cook called for an inquiry into the attack to understand what happened in the lead-up to the point that Nikita Pill's dogs turned on her. Minister for Government Services Bill Shorten also spoke on the Today Show with Carl Stefanovic, calling to ban dangerous breeds. I went to the funeral of a little girl, uh, one of my constituents who got mauled by a dog and died in 2012. There are a few breeds which are essentially sharks on legs, and you should ban some of these uh, breeds. They're a minority. The other thing is, unless you're a dog breeder, I don't know why we don't have a conversation about desexing dogs as well. Mm. Uh, so I certainly think that for a few breeds, we're absolutely just proven that owners can't control all of them. Under the Commonwealth Customs legislation, there are already a number of dogs that are restricted for importation into Australia, including the Doggo Argentino, the American Pitbull Terrier, the Brazilian Mastiff and the Japanese Tosa. State and territory legislation differs on how these restrictions are interpreted, with some states allowing the dogs under regulations like keeping them in cages, muzzling them in public and not allowing them to be in the sole company of somebody under the age of 18. However, Rottweilers are not currently on this list of restricted breeds. Banning dogs based on their breed alone is very controversial, with groups like the RSPCA saying that they don't support breed-specific legislation. So is adding more breeds to the banned list, as Bill Shorten suggests, really the way to stop dog attacks in Australia? Or are there other solutions we need to be looking at? Glenn Cook is the Chief Training Officer for Canine Evolution and Pet Resorts. Now, Glenn, do you think some breeds of dogs are inherently more dangerous or aggressive than others? It's a good question. It's a question that's been flouted around a lot in the industry. I think the concern is that some breeds are more powerful than others. The aggression can come from all types of breeds. It's something that I regularly deal with as a dog trainer. I mean, to get to the meat of the question, I don't think it's about the breed. I think it's about the way that dogs are poorly raised, poorly bred, and quite definitely poorly socialised. When you say poorly socialised, can you expand on that and what that means and and what we can actually do to prevent dogs from being aggressive and acting violently? So way back in, I think it was around about the 1950s or 60s, I think, there was a research team that was headed by Dr. John Paul Scott and John Fuller. And they actually wrote a very detailed book about it called Genetics and the Social Behaviour of the Dog. And within that book, they outlined the map of the importance of the social experiences for young puppies. But it doesn't just rely on young puppies. It's also something that's beneficial for other animals as well, including human beings with their early socialization period. So what they called that or what they deemed that was the critical period of development. And in that time, that was listed around six to 16 weeks of age. So within that time period, This is where social experiences and habitual experiences, meaning the dog learning about things that happen in their environment and being introduced to other species, including other breeds of dogs, human beings. That includes meeting children as well, which is different than an adult, possibly other animals and all the scary things that go bump in the night at a gradual basis, at an incremental basis. If that is introduced to a dog successfully during that period, what actually happens to the puppy is their brain starts to fully develop. Like they get a very, very well-developed frontal cortex. 
and they don't suffer the issues of having an underdeveloped brain and an enlarged amygdala, which is a very reactive part of the brain. So in order for people to understand what socialization is, it means that we're often told that puppies shouldn't be out for the first four months of their life. They need to be vaccinated and they need to be kept indoors. And I understand that there is huge risk to puppies, you know, being exposed to things like parvo and so forth, but there's also much higher risk at not being socialised correctly and therefore having a lot of issues with how they deal with stimulation, meaning other dogs and other people, later on in life, which makes them unprepared and very anxious about their introductions. Therefore, they start to become aggressive, which also is quite narcotic in its feeling because if they understand they can control another species through aggression, they also feel good about it because it actually reinforces them at the same time. But why do dogs attack? In so many of these news reports that we're hearing around these attacks, you know, there'll be lines saying that the attack was seemingly unprovoked. So what do you think sets dogs off? There's a large array of why things might happen. It's very much like people. And a colleague of mine was discussing this model called the layered stress model, which predominantly is in line with the saying, the straw that broke the camel's back. And there can be times just like human beings, because I know plenty of human beings who are not aggressive people in any way, shape or form, but invoking aggression on them on a particular day might seem seemingly easy. And there are other breeds of dogs that I know that would not be a problem with the dog on any given day. And unfortunately, all the right combinations came together on one particular day for that dog to be aggressive. So there are certain things like resource guarding that dogs feel that this is my resource, which could be the owner. It could be another dog that's related to the dog or its partner dog. It could be a bowl of food. It could be the property that the dog is on. And suddenly if somebody comes into that area and the dog feels, well, now I feel threatened because something that I feel is mine is going to be taken off me, there could be a provocation for the dog to feel that I need to defend this property and therefore I need to act out on it. So there are a lot of reasons why dogs will be aggressive. There's a lot of reasons why people will be aggressive as well. And there is genuine reasons why people do what they do. What we don't often do and what government departments don't often do is ask the question, why did this happen and how can we prevent it happening again? The problem, I think, is we see it, we become very emotional about it, and it is awful. I'm not saying it's not awful. It's awful. But what we need to do is say, well, what can we do about this and how can we invest actual educational programs in this to help dog owners and their dogs not behave like this or reduce the impact that it's actually having? What kind of educational programs or regulations would you like to see rather than this reaction of just choosing to ban dog breeds? What I would like to see is school programs taking place where they have taken place in the past and they have been seemingly successful. So if school children are actually educated at an early age on A, how to behave around other dogs and B, also what to actually take home to their parents as well, because sometimes the kids actually get more educated in what the parents actually are on how to behave with dogs or introducing a new dog into a household, which is fantastic. So if the family can actually get involved in early programs, especially early socialisation programs, and even understanding what it is that they want to purchase when they're looking at getting a dog or bringing a dog into the household or rescuing a dog, like actually understanding What's going to suit our lifestyle? What sort of dog would we benefit for? If they're buying a dog as a puppy, 
let's say, around eight weeks of age, understanding that for the next 12 to 15 years, they have a very strong obligation to that dog other than just keeping it in its backyard and periodically bringing it out into the public where the dog is unprepared. Also, I would love to see it that people have to do some sort of training program and a training program where they fully understand how to feed the dog, how to look after the dog, how to properly house and contain the dog if need to, what they need to do when they take the dog for a walk, what happens when they're out in public and the dog is introduced to other dogs, other people, other stimuli, what happens if they see early signs of arousal so they actually know what to do in periods of early intervention, and who to call if they actually find that it didn't go so well and that they actually have a backup program in place. You keep talking about that window of development that dogs have for socialisation. Now, there is speculation that I've seen in the media, especially in this past week, where they're talking about the way dog owners picked up dogs in the pandemic and then maybe didn't have the opportunity to socialise that dog properly, which could contribute to dog attacks and is maybe why we've seen a rise in dog attacks in the past couple of years. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's something that all people in the professional field of animal behaviour and dog training have been concerned about, which is what we call the COVID puppies or the COVID dogs. Some of the dogs that were in rescue were fine. Uh, You know, sometimes dogs are in rescue for a reason. They are somebody else's problem. Somebody didn't do the early socialising and the early habituation with the dogs. So they didn't develop a nicely generalised dog or the dog is just not obedient. And sometimes that is largely a problem where a dog is just recklessly behaved in public spaces and people are very intolerant of how the dog is behaving. So sometimes even what can be construed as aggression is actually reckless behaviour. There have been many times where I have been asked to intervene in situations where dogs have jumped on people And meeting the dog and seeing the dog in public spaces and being around the dog socially, I can see that the dog is just recklessly behaved. But when other people experience that reckless behavior, they misconstrue it for aggression because they feel that the dog invaded their space. They don't understand dogs. They might not even like dogs. And therefore, there is a huge concern with how the dog is actually behaving. So getting back to your original question on the COVID puppy syndrome that we've basically seen, it has created a window of dogs that didn't get the adequate socialisation. Even people who know how important it is were limited in what they could actually do. But what I do suggest for people, if you see something that is rising in your dog, invest in an early intervention program. Find an adequate and suitable person who understands behaviour, especially with aggression, and seek out that person and uh, do a lesson with them. The Quickie is produced by myself, Grace Rouvray, and our executive producer, Kelly Borg, with audio production by Tom Lyon.